Hi, and welcome to Wreck Your Perfection. I'm Rochelle Anne, and today I'm going to be talking about me. Um, to kick off the third season of this podcast, I figured I would start by just getting a little bit more personal. I realized that I have never shared with you guys about my own journey with perfectionism and you know, why I even cared to start this podcast in the first place. Um, and I was actually talking to my sibling last night and I was like, I'm going to do my first solo episode um, where I'm just going to share from my heart. Because I did one solo episode before, but it was about um, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. It was basically summing up a book and it's a great book, by the way. Definitely recommend reading it. Uh, but I've never done a solo episode where I've talked about me. I've just mostly on this podcast interviewed experts and people that I love hearing from. Uh, but today I'm wrecking my own perfectionism by getting over, you know, myself and talking about my own story and feeling like I'm not an expert and like I have nothing to say. Um, and really I realized, you know, that's where I'm working with my own perfectionism and feeling like, you know, I haven't learned from my own journey, but there's so much from my own journey that I've learned and I just thought that you know, maybe sharing that with you guys would be interesting. From here on out on the podcast, I'm going to be getting more personal. I'm going to do some interviews with um, my siblings. I'm going to, you know, talk to you more about um, how I work with perfectionism and how uh, I believe you can work with your own if that's something that you struggle with or that you have a family member who struggles with. Um, so, um, yeah, I just wanted to start by talking about where I first realized my perfectionism. So I'm 26 now, and when I was in college, I don't remember exactly which year in college it was, but I remember reading the book The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown, who is, by the way, my favorite author. Um, and that's where I really realized, that was the start of my perfectionism journey and realizing that I am a perfectionist and that my perfectionism is holding me back. I started to realize that all the classes that I was taking in college, I only wanted to take things where I could get an A. I only wanted to do things where I had a 100% chance of succeeding and looking great to my professors, to everyone else. And it was holding me back, like to the point that I even, I love to dance and I danced growing up and I remember I took an Argentine tango class and on the first day, it was my first time ever doing like partner dancing where I was dancing with someone and I did not know how to uh, follow a lead. It was terrifying and I did a horrible job and just felt so awkward and nervous and was like laughing to like each person I danced with like the whole time. It was so weird. I probably made them really uncomfortable, but I left the class being like, oh my gosh, that was so hard. I can never do that again. And I immediately dropped the class just because I didn't pick it up right away. And it was around that time I realized, like, that's how I'm living my life. I, there was another class I'd signed up for that on the first day of class, it was a master's level class. I think I was a freshman. I don't really know what I was doing, but I was so overwhelmed by it. And I was like, I'm not smart enough for this. And so I dropped it and I took freshman biology instead. And this was kind of a pattern for me that I had for my whole life, really. And I grew up as a perfectionist. You know, looking back, I realized... As a kid, I was such a perfectionist at my very first piano recital. Um, I think I was maybe six years old 
Uh, and I remember I was playing a three-page Mozart piece. I might have been seven or eight. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I remember it was my first piano recital and I had to have the piece memorized and there were all these repeats in it and I get up on stage and I'm playing and I just am going in circles in the piece and I'm like, I've already screwed this up and I just knew like, this is going to end badly. Like, I've already messed up and so I felt like because I'd messed up, you know, there was no saving myself. And I remember I just skipped all the repeats and ended the piece as quickly as I could. And I got off stage and I just started crying. And I decided then and there that I would never do another piano recital ever. <laughs> so this was like a part of who I was. This was a part of my, per my personality. Um, you know, growing up, I tried, I was homeschooled. I have six siblings and we were all homeschooled. And I remember trying so hard to do the best at everything I could. We didn't get grades, but we would get uh, percentages on tests. And I remember I always had to be getting, you know, at least 94% or whatever it was. Um, and I was just terrified of ever making mistakes. And I pushed myself so hard. I did um, classical cello and ballet as well. And just, the, I feel like classical music and ballet are two of the most perfectionist um, they're like perfectionist traps, right? Because with classical music and with ballet, there's, there's such detailed technique involved that it's very easy to feel like if I can't do this perfectly, then I can't do it at all. Uh, and <laughs> I worked so hard in those two areas. Um, and with cello growing up, like from the age of nine, I remember thinking like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Of course, I also discovered dance at a young age, and I really loved that as well. And between ballet and music, I just knew I wanted to do uh, one or both of them. Um, and and really, honestly, I was in love with, with these arts. Um, they were beautiful to me, but also it was something that I felt like you know, it defined me, it defined who I was. And when I was 16, I did PSEO. So I um, lived in Minnesota at that time. And I started college uh, when I was 16, because they have the free program there. I know they have it in many states. I'm in Washington now. So it's like running start here. Uh, but like in Minnesota, PSEO, post-secondary enrollment options, where the state pays for your tuition when you're in high school, starting your junior year, if you get into a college. And um basically it's free college for like two years. So I was like, awesome, I'm going to do this. Um, and I was incredibly studious because as a perfectionist, I was like, I have to do everything right. I have to get an A all the time. I got straight A's through until I graduated high school. And um, I don't remember where I was going with this thought. <laughs> Um, but going into college, so, so that time late in high school is when I, um, I was getting really intense into, like, my ballet was ramping up, my cello was ramping up, and the summer before my sophomore year, I had to decide whether to go to ballet camp or music camp. All my ballet friends went to ballet camps, like, around the country, and I went to music camp. It was super fun and I got a scholarship and I was so excited but when I came back after the summer I started dancing again four hours a day seven days a week and 
I remember not knowing that my point shoes weren't a good fit for me. Um, and I got an injury so fast. I got Achilles tendonitis, ended up getting it in both my Achilles tendons. And um, one of the reasons I talk about injuries is because because of my perfectionism, I didn't want to see a physical therapist. I felt like, almost like this is a personal flaw, like, and I just have to overcome it. And it was very all or nothing, like fixed mindset. Um, you know, I'm just going to dance through the pain and like this has to, this injury just has to go away on its own. And if it's not, then I'm just giving up entirely. And by the time I, you know, my injury got so bad, I, I just had to quit. Um, and it was tragic for me because that was one of my loves you know I was so passionate about dance and at that time I just figured okay well now I'm just going to focus on cello like now cello is going to be my sole focus and so the summer before my senior year or really the um, winter of my senior year in high school I So I graduated early so that I could take a semester to completely focus on my auditions. And I went across the country, like I auditioned at some of the top conservatories and I was really hooked on getting into specifically Juilliard. I was like, that has to be the school because that's the best school. And New England Conservatory is the other top conservatory. And I I was just so gung-ho, like, I have to do this. If I'm going to do music, I have to be the best. I have to be perfect, you know, and worked my pieces just to the bone and started practicing so much. Um, I did not get into Juilliard, spoiler alert. (laughs) I got into a couple of the conservatories that I had applied for, uh, but no scholarships. And so it was going to be super expensive to go. And I ended up going to the University of Minnesota, Um, where I got a scholarship and um, the summer before that um, which by the way that was like my backup school I was like okay if I can't get into conservatory I guess I'll go to a liberal arts college and I thought my life was going to be ruined if I couldn't go to conservatory because then I wouldn't be the best cellist and then I wouldn't have this career and be a world famous cellist (laughs) and it's so funny looking back (laughs) but I um It was the biggest blessing going to the University of Minnesota because what happened was the summer before my freshman year of college, I got injured on the cello. So I'd already recovered or I'd already, you know, quit dance. And then I get this cello injury that was like myalgia, like intense muscle soreness in both my forearms. And I was on, I was on a full ride. Like I, I had to do my music scholarship. I had to Uh, I have requirements for it. So be an orchestra, be in a small ensemble, obviously solo lessons and repertoire. And some days it was like, you know, requiring eight hours of playing. And I started having so much pain just from the amount that I had. um, I've been playing so intensely and I was so, you know, like fixed on this is this is what I have to do I wasn't playing with a relaxed manner so I had to retrain and relearn how I played the cello uh, because I was playing with all of this tension because I'd sit down to learn a new piece and as a perfectionist I was like I need to learn it right now right away not in five hours not in 20 hours but like in 30 minutes you know so I had to retrain and relearn the way I was playing to 
to play without tension, but by that point, my injury had gotten so bad, I really needed to step back, and I saw a couple different physical therapists, but I wasn't really committed to my physical therapy, um, and, you know, I, again, the all or nothing, like the fixed mindset held me back, and I was like, well, if I can't play for eight hours a day, then I'm just not going to play, and I um, ended up really just pulling back from cello so much um I ended up I think my junior year I took a full six months off of playing and uh it was I was honestly so depressed during college because it was like I you know would go without playing like I was just whiplash back and forth to play eight hours one day don't play the next because I'm in so much pain and I took a, a huge step back and just started playing like way, way less, um, and taking summers off. And, um, that's when I realized, like, I need another musical outlet because I can't really play my cello anymore. And I was getting into such a depression. Uh, I just, I needed something else. And I started singing. I started writing music around that time of my freshman year as an outlet, uh, and found that I actually loved it a lot more than playing classical cello. It was like, all of a sudden I discovered this creativity and it became an outlet for me where I could express like who I was, the trauma that I'd gone through growing up. I was starting to face some of that. I had been abused and neglected growing up and um, it was really healing for me to discover that, you know, songwriting could be an outlet. And I joined a band, uh, a couple bands in college, and uh, that was so much fun. It was also terrifying. Uh, It was the first time I ever sang on stage, and it's funny because I tell this story now as a singer and to some of my voice students, and they don't really, like, believe me, but I'm like, no, when I started singing, I was not very good. Like, I, I was pretty bad, and I had to work really hard at it. And I remember there was one time with my band's, we, we call ourselves in theory. Uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, I wrote this song and I was a backup singer and I played cello in the band, but I told the lead singer, like, I really want to sing this song that I wrote and I want to sing lead vocals on it. And she was like, okay, you know, she beautifully supportive. And I <laughs> just screwed it up so bad at the show that we had. I like was so nervous. It was my first time leak you know, lead singing on stage, and I was new to guitar, I totally screwed up the guitar part, and I was just a nervous wreck the whole time, uh, and after that, it was like, all right, you're not leading any more songs, like, you're going back to being a backup singer, and totally understandable, um, but, you know, that was kind of the start of a new journey for me, moving from this really perfectionistic, um, you know, style of dance and of music to something that involved creativity and something where I had a creative force inside me that I was allowed to, to express myself and be who I was. And over time, I, I ended up developing the expression that I use with my students, um, expression and not perfection, uh, because I realized that is so important with music that's how we connect with people is through the imperfection that's what art is uh it's expressing our humanity which is inherently imperfect 
And, you know, I used to worry so much about getting all the notes right. I would freeze up on stage with every classical performance I had. I would always forget notes. I would I would just have extreme performance anxiety to the point where I felt like I would be sick. And, um, you know, my face got all hot and I hated going on stage. And and it's, it's because I was like in my head about this needs to be perfect. And when I realized like, instead, this is about what I express, um, that inner expression is so much more important. And that's why we need art. It's what makes us human. And and really realizing imperfection is how we connect with each other. You know, you don't want to be friends with that person who's got all their shit together and is like totally perfect. If anything, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> You're like, um, excuse me, are you a robot or are you real? Um, so yeah, during that time, I just, you know, I started to kind of come out of my shell a little bit and, um, after graduating college, I um, started working as a nanny. I didn't really know how to like do a music career and I didn't really know what I was doing because cello, I was starting to really step away from classical music. I was doing less and less of it. And um, I wanted to sing, I wanted to be a songwriter, but I didn't know how to do that. So for a while I was working in childcare, I worked at um, a center for kids with autism, and I ended up nannying a kid with autism and working with, with that, and it kind of played into a bit of my interest in college of family social science with psychology and I was I was interested in counseling but I didn't actually want to get counseling which I learned you have to do <laughs> if you're going to be a counselor which at the time freaked me out um, but I liked working with people I liked working with kids and about a year after graduating and working um, in childcare, I um, my cello teacher got uh, sick and he needed me to step in for some of his cello students, um, teaching them. And I felt like totally unprepared, totally like I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I stepped in and taught some of his students and ended up really loving teaching. I'd done some teaching. I think I started teaching when I was 15, but I only ever had like one student at a time. And um, so this was my first time teaching more students. And um, I ended up getting hired there to teach at that school of music. And then um, I went out and got hired at a couple other music schools to teach. And now I was not only teaching cello, but I was also teaching um, guitar and voice and ukulele and piano um, and that was a big step for me again in my perfectionism because I had to change my mindset from you know cello is my skill set to well actually now I'm a singer and I had taken some voice lessons and when I got hired to teach all these instruments I was like well I don't know what I'm doing so I went out and I got voice lessons I got I signed up for more voice lessons and really tried to learn the technique so that I knew how to teach it I started practicing a lot more guitar. Not that I ever got very good. Like I, I still consider myself like medium guitar player, but uh, it's enough to get by with songwriting. And, um, you know, working more on just my music skills in general. And I had to shift my mindset into like, I can help people doing these things. And um, I ended up 
really loving teaching uh, like pop music and uh, pop vocal styles and songwriting and um, I ended up kind of eventually fading away from teaching classical music and just discovering like what I really want to be doing is I want to be singing and I want to be songwriting and um, just more and more kind of owned and stepped into that role. So around that time, I had um, I'd already recorded uh, my first demo with a good friend who was so kind uh, enough to take me into his home studio and do like a four song demo. Uh, and that I think when I heard myself, I think I was around 20, 21, I heard myself singing for the first time and I was like, wow, that girl sounds like a singer. That's so strange. And that's when I kind of realized I am a singer, that that person is me, that I'm hearing through the headphones. And I really realized like that's something I want to do. And so over time, I um, like I did my first open mic. I um, started to perform my solo songs. And uh, around the time I started teaching was um, I think maybe a year prior I had started a band um, and my partner at the time had you know, uh, put together his jazz trio was the the folks who were, were accompanying me on bass, drums, and guitar. And um, so I started performing my solo music. Um, I was still terrified, though, to go out and book any gigs because I was like, well, I'm not really a singer. I'm not really, like, doing this. I wasn't taking myself seriously. And um, actually, my so one of my siblings had a friend who... Uh, was doing some life coaching and I got a couple months of life coaching with him and it was such a blessing because I um well I don't know if I like that word blessing it was <laughs> a huge gift um that he gave me because that's when I realized I was getting in my own way and I was so scared to own my shit and like do my craft which more and more I was realizing I am a songwriter like and I'm, a, I'm honestly a pretty good songwriter. And so um, he helped me to realize, like, I want to book my first gig. And so, because I was like, oh, I'm not getting any gigs. And he's like, so what have you done? And I was like, well, I haven't actually asked for any gigs. Like, I haven't written a single email to a venue. And he's like, well, you know, you could start with that. And I was like, oh, okay. And like the first email I sent, I got a gig booked. I was like, are you serious? It was that easy? Like, I had all this freaking mind drama about it and it was that easy um so that really started to help me and starting to perform with this band was so fun and um I gosh a couple things that helped me along the way I read The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron um and really learned that my perfectionism was holding me back from being creative uh, because really perfectionism is like the enemy of creativity when you are stuck in like it has to be perfect or I'm not going to do it you cannot be creative there's no way um, and so that book was so good for me I think it's the subtitle is the spiritual path to creativity and her premise is that every single human is innately creative that is who we are inherently uh, and when we are not creative then we're really not being true to our human nature and that turned things around for me and really helped me to start to write more one of the issues that was happening for me though as I was 
starting to identify as a singer songwriter I put in like quotation marks is just like I had done with Uh, being a dancer or being a cellist it was like now I have this new title and where at first when I started writing songs it was super therapeutic for me Um, all of a sudden it became where it had to be perfect and it had to be great and now that I was performing and now that I was getting booked it was like well now you're seen as this person so now you have to show up in this certain way and you have to be amazing and you have to impress audiences and your songs have to be this caliber so I was starting to really put all this pressure on myself and it was not helpful I will say um it it really helps me to balance out um teaching and helping other people discover their love of creativity uh their love of music sometimes for the first time maybe in many decades I love teaching adult beginners that is like my number one favorite and also kids who are writing their first song anyone who's writing their first song because I get to coach them on overcoming their perfectionism and their fear of doing this thing they've always wanted to do and it's always a reminder for me of like oh yeah like it is hard to do that thing that you want to do for the first time and gosh over time I've had so many like deep desires of things that I wanted to do but I've been too afraid um and like one is that I had always had this fixed mindset where I was like you can't run you don't know how to run and you're not good at it because I have exercise induced asthma so since I was a kid I had a lot of trouble both running and swimming those are the two things that I just couldn't really do or felt like I couldn't do and so my friend asked me in 2018 in the winter she's like do you want to run a marathon um she's like I'm gonna run a marathon and you want to run it with me and I was like uh okay (laughs) and so I you know tried to really take on the growth mindset of like I can learn how to run. I can um, go from running one mile to 26.2. And that's exactly what I did. It took like, I think maybe eight months. I started training way earlier than most of the people because I couldn't even run a 5K yet. I couldn't even run one mile. Uh, And so I started training early in 2018. And then by the time the marathon happened, that was in October. And I, man, every single run was like, so hard every single new distance was the longest distance that I'd ever run you know after one mile it was like that's the longest I've ever run then it was two miles that's the longest I've ever run then three up to seven and it kept going more to each like because you have three short runs during the week and then one long run on the weekend and every time I got to that long run I was like there's no way there's no way I can do 10 miles and then I would just focus on getting through it and I would and it was like oh my body did this crazy incredible thing that I've never been able to do before and then the next week I would go even longer and even longer and um until it got all the way up to the marathon and that was the hardest run of my life like (laughs) I think by mile 15 or 16 I was already crying I was a total mess and I was like I'm not gonna be able to finish this plus it was cold that day I think it was like in the 30s in Minnesota and I don't do well people with asthma don't do well in the cold it's much harder to breathe in the cold and so I'd had this this goal pace and I ended up running way slower than the goal pace that I wanted and instead of you know getting in my own head about well 
if I can't reach my goal time, like, I'm just not going to do this. I was just like, you know what? The goal, the new goal is to finish the race. And I got through it. It took me like over five hours. It was so hard. Uh, and I definitely could not walk afterwards. I just like collapsed in a heap. Um, but that was hugely confidence boosting for me. I think that's one way in which I wrecked my perfection that showed me what I'm capable of. Um, and actually the day after the marathon was when I signed up for a sync licensing seminar or a sync licensing class. That was a year long class that I'd wanted to take from Kathy Heller, um, who is, by the way, if you haven't listened to her podcast, don't keep your day job by Kathy Heller. Uh, please go listen to it. She is so inspiring. Like just honestly, she is one of my favorite people. And I took this sync licensing class, which sync licensing for any of you guys who don't know is, um, when you take your songs and you, um, pitch them for, uh, anything. So sync is short for synchronization. So anything to sync up music to video. So it could be a commercial, it could be, uh, a movie or a TV show. And so this class was all about like how to do that, how to create that music and then how to license it, how to get it out there. Um, and I'd, I'd wanted to do that class for like a year, but I was too scared. And after the marathon, I was like, well, if I can do that, then like, what else can I do? <laughs> and I just started to really challenge myself. I feel like leveling up. Um, and that course taught me so much. Uh, I started to pitch my music for, uh, TV and, um, I worked with my partner at the time. We started a band because I gotten my first, um, I gotten my first request for actually getting paid to write a song, which I was like, whoa, you can do that. <laughs> and it was for this dance company in Arizona, uh, and they wanted a song for, um, their, like their video to promote their dance program and so um i created i wrote this song i wrote the melody and the guitar part and then i was like well i don't know how to i didn't know how to do any of the fancy recording stuff and my partner at the time he produced the song and uh i think it was like about the amount that we got paid to do it uh was about how much it cost to actually create the song but it was such a fun project and it really showed me like I am capable of selling my music. And um, we started a band called Tacky Annie and that song was Renegade Energy. Um, and it ended up being like the start of that band. We're like, well, let's do a project together. Let's make more music like this where, you know, he would produce it. And it was kind of this fun, like pop energy. And I was stepping more into like my inner diva as I was doing this. Cause before I was doing like all sad, slow singer songwriter stuff. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, actually I can do really high energy stuff and I can increase my range and um, really, really fun to do that. And I think that sync licensing uh, class was so empowering for me and I realized like I want to teach other people this stuff too. And I didn't know how to do something like uh, host host a, a class, but I wanted to share with my community what I was learning. And I was like, you shouldn't have to pay for this information. It should be free. So I, I ended up teaming up with a local um, kind of community venue and hosting a seminar for sync licensing in like January of 2019. Uh, and it got totally um, filled out. It was so exciting. It was like tons of people I had never met. Gosh, I just like literally meet, miss being in the room with people. Like COVID has changed 
so much. <laughs> but at the time, it was like a very small room filled with tons of people. I think like 40 people in this little venue. And um, I was so excited to like get to share uh, in this knowledge. And actually through putting that together, um, I, I reached out to, I was like, who who in the community um, does sync licensing and licenses for, for TV? And I found a... Um, a couple who runs Hitlist and they decided to just donate their time and come speak at the seminar and uh, they were so gracious to come and do that and share their knowledge of the industry um, and because of that like through the event people ended up getting connected with them and I also got connected with them and my band signed with their agency and since uh, in the past that's well, been a, is that 2018? It was 2019. Yeah, we've gotten several placements through them. We actually just got another placement uh, for like a Credit Karma commercial, which is hilarious. They like renewed their license this year and they did one last year, but it was like for an instrumental song. Honestly, most of our placements have been for instrumentals, which is funny because I'm like, oh, you don't want my voice? Okay, cool. I guess um, that's fine. <laughs> um, but that was a really fun journey and, and showed me like, I, what I'm trying to kind of do with this story, I feel like it's so rambly and random, but kind of showing that each step that I took showed me another step that I could take, uh, but I really had to take those steps one at a time. So, you know, running the marathon showed me I could do more and sign up for the sync licensing uh, training. And then that showed me I can train other people about this. I can teach them. And um, even that summer... I was so nervous to lead this girl's rock camp. My my boss at um, where I taught had asked me to lead this last year. And I was like, well, I've only ever taught private lessons. I don't know how to teach a whole group and run a literal entire girl's rock camp. Uh, and so that year was when I was starting to really gain fire and gain my confidence. And when she asked me again, I just was like, you know what? I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. And I feel like in the last year that has totally become my motto it's like if I don't know how to do it I'll figure it out and I'll take it one step at a time and that has completely transformed me like I will just say the, it's not that the perfectionism has gone away it's still there and it's here right now like I'm so nervous to just talk with you and share with you where I'm at uh because it's so imperfect and like no human story is perfect right and the way that we share it it's just this is my human experience. Uh, but I feel like that's how I've been working with my perfectionism is like learning to be a human and learning to let that be okay. Uh, because we're not robots, you know, and now I'm getting into preachy territory. But <laughs> um, so like I taught a girls rock camp that summer that was, of 2019. That was so fun. It was like a group of eight to 10 girls who um, it was eight to 10 year olds and it was eight girls and most of them had never played an instrument before. Some of them had, uh, but by the end of two weeks, these girls had to learn how to play in a band, uh, play new instruments. So they always wanted to switch up, um, instruments and then put on a show by the end of two weeks and do a recording session. So it was a lot of work, but it was so much fun. And again, showed me like, I can do this thing I've never done before. Um, and yeah, I'm like avoiding the really hard part of 2019, which honestly was 
Um, so lots of stuff happened in 2019, you guys. Wow. Lots of stuff happened in 2020. Like, I know we're all going through it. Um, but in 2019, I left my fiance, who was my partner that I had the band with at the time. And, um, we still work together. Like we still make music together, but you know, I just felt like that relationship, it wasn't right for me. And I, I was putting a lot of my own shit into it and like, and onto him, I was like being really blamey, um, about things that I felt like he was doing wrong. But in a lot of ways, I felt like I was not really stepping into my full power. Like I was not really, like I was playing small and I knew that if I stayed in that relationship, I, I would continue to do that only because of where I was at and I needed to work on myself. Um, and that year that, you know, we actually, we were on the way to a gig one night in the winter and we'd gotten into an accident like five minutes away from the gig. This was like in the polar vortex in January of 2019 when it was, I think, 60 below that week. And we hit an ice patch, uh, like a like the black ice that you can't see, um, going, I think, 70 on the bridge on 35. And we spun out and started heading towards the Mississippi River. And that's when I was like, my life is over. This is the end of my life. Uh, <laughs> and um, we ended up not sailing into the river, thank God. We hit the uh, side, whatever it's called, that cement wall. And um, magically, we were both okay. Um, we did not end up playing that gig, though. We <laughs> we called it a night. It's, I think it got, took three hours to get a tow, and our saxophone player came and picked us up, and we got pizza. And this is totally irrelevant, but after that, I was so so goddamn happy to be alive that I was just like well first of all I kept imagining dying um and waking up every morning like oh my god I'm still here holy shit I get to be alive what am I gonna do with my life and it was honestly that night um in January that I realized music isn't it for me you know I love music and I felt like by that point in my life I was doing everything that I'd set out to do. I was doing music full time. I was performing. I was writing my own songs. I was um, teaching and I was making a living full time doing music, which is all that I ever wanted. But I felt empty somehow, like it just wasn't enough. And that's when I had the idea for Wreck Your Perfection. I was like, I want to help people with their perfectionism. And not only that, but I wonder what my life would have been like if I hadn't been such a perfectionist for so long, if I hadn't grown up that way. And I thought maybe if I could figure out how to um, kind of prevent that from happening for other kids, like, you know, through teaching and through parenting, um, we could raise up this generation of kids who is like not afraid to fail, you know, not afraid to embrace imperfection and failure and like be themselves and like be the world problem solvers and be artists and it was just like this beautiful image in my head and of course now since starting the podcast I've realized like it's not just how we um, teach and raise kids it's also who we are ourselves as people and it's also um, through my conversation with if you guys haven't listened to this episode uh, Dr. Thomas Curran was telling us that 
perfectionism is actually a genetic trait. It's a personality trait. So 50% of it is in your DNA, which I was like, okay, well, that blew my entire premise for this podcast. So awesome. Um, But it really was good to know that that perfectionism was something that was inherent in me. And, you know, 50% of it is in our DNA, but the other 50% is determined by social factors. And that, that does mean that how we teach, how we parent, how we socialize, how we interact with social media, we can influence those things. And so there is hope for us. And it's not that perfectionism is a death sentence, you know, because obviously you can work with it. Like I am a perfectionist and I actively work with it and I actively challenge myself to try to you know, overcome fears and try new challenges and push myself out of my comfort zone, even when I know it's gonna, you know, make me look stupid to other people or whatever. Like, there's just no way of putting on this perfect front. Um, and so, yeah, after, after realizing that I wanted to start the podcast and then after ending up leaving my fiance, um, I just, I remember I recorded my first podcast episode in April, but I was way too scared to actually start it, uh, because again, I was being a perfectionist (laughs) and I ended up moving out to the West coast. I, I left Minnesota and I just said, you know, I'm going to start over. My sister and I both moved out there. She came up from Arizona and I moved from, from Minnesota and we both moved in with my parents. Um, and actually that's where I'm recording this episode right now is, uh, my parents upstairs in my bedroom and thanks mom and dad for providing this space. Um, this episode comes to you by Patrick and Lydia Smith. Uh, but I, you know, felt like that was like a new low for me because I felt like my life was just like on this upward trajectory and I was like, yeah, 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 I'm doing better. I'm doing better. And my life's just going to keep going upwards and upwards. And then it was like crash you're single, you live with your parents, you don't have a job, um, and basically you've totally decided to ruin your mid-20s. So when I got here August 1st of 2019, I felt like a total failure. Also, I was totally in grief for many months. I was incredibly depressed and really should have used that time now that I think about it to go out and meet people because once the pandemic hit that was certainly not a possibility uh (laughs) or became less of a possibility I should say but um I man I was just here and really depressed for so long and finally realized like you know I still have this dream of wreck your perfection. I want it to be a thing. I want to help people with their perfectionism and I want to share my own story and um, and learn how we can work with this, how we can work with it in kids, how we can work with it as adults, you know, with ourselves. And so it finally, in October of 2019, I published the first three episodes and you'll see it's a year old now, yay. Um, and uh, overcame that fear, that perfection you know feeling like it needs to be this perfect thing and and I I have this confession to make that really with the podcast I have been a perfectionist with it and season three you know starting fresh here trying to learn to undo some of that perfectionism I'm still going to bring guests on that know about this topic and are experienced in a broad range of areas but I'm really you know, just wanting to get more real with you guys and learning to be human myself on the podcast and not have it all together and not have my list of questions and feel like 
I need to edit everything perfectly and um, just show up and um, hopefully show up for what you guys need as well um, because I'm doing this for you, you know. Um, it helps me to do it, of course, because I learn so much every time I interview someone new. Like, I'm asking them questions that I want to know. But ultimately, like, I want to know what you guys want to know. Like, what do you need? What are you struggling with? Um, and that's that's what I'm here for. And um, so, finishing it up. Okay, 2019 happened. I started to kind of come out of the depression and starting to kind of come alive again and realize like what I really wanted and I recorded my first solo EP which is another thing that scared me um and I did that through the help of 90 people who supported my kickstarter I raised five thousand dollars and I actually got enough money to buy my own equipment and record my own EP I did hire out uh, an amazing drummer from Minneapolis and then I hired out post-production by mixing and mastering but the rest of the EP is something that I just you know I created at home and uh I'm super proud of um so if you guys do want to look that up I'm gonna play a song at the end of the episode because I feel like you guys might connect with it and it's it's just about reparenting yourself and learning to love yourself um exactly as you are with flaws and all um but that that EP is out now and um, of course as soon as I was going to hopefully start my solo career I um, you know the pandemic hit and I realized like that is an impossibility right now Um, so kind of like I did with my um, cello injury I feel like where I just like rerouted like new plan um, I realized um, that a dream of mine has been to become a life coach and so I did a life coaching certification program this summer and uh, began life coaching and that has been amazing. I love helping people with perfectionism get over their fear of maybe getting creative, um, just really like overcoming their blockages and what's getting in their way Uh, and realizing that I have a lot of this knowledge because I've done this work myself like I've had to get out of my own way time and time again with each new challenge I've taken on uh I've done it I feel like in big ways and also like in small ways um like you know for me since ever since I was like three years old I remember I wanted to be a figure skater uh and that was my dream (laughs) I just like would watch the Olympics and then like go outside um on like the cement with like my rollerblades and like just like tried to do all the jumps and stuff and just like fall and hurt myself really bad but I that was my dream and we couldn't afford um skating you know when I was little I was one of seven kids it was just not gonna happen and so when he moved to Minnesota when I was 10 I remember we finally lived close to a rink and I took a year of lessons um and I was such a perfectionist at the time. I was like, well, by this time, I'm too old to get into the Olympics, obviously. I'm already 11 years old. You know, half my life is over. So <laughs> I I ended up quitting after a year. Um, but I picked it back up as an adult and have just totally fallen in love with it because everyone that I, that I teach, that I work with as an adult who's like telling me about their dreams, whether it's starting an instrument or starting a business, it's like, oh, it's never too late for you. It's never too late for you to start. Um, and I realized I wasn't taking my own advice, and so I'd always wanted to do figure skating, 
So I started back up lessons and I found this amazing coach this summer and I've been working with her and actually next month I'm skating my first program uh, and I actually was just like looking at dresses this morning and like I'm very late on the update. Guys, figure skating dresses are stupid expensive. Like what is with that? <laughs> But um, I'm so excited about that. Like, I feel like a little kid just going out on the ice and, like, you know, being 26 and, like, basically not, like, being a beginner. Like, I'm pretty much a beginner. I'm working on my single jumps and stuff still. But, um, but like, you know, eight-year-olds can totally skate circles around me. So it's kind of hilarious. And it's it's just so fun and rewarding to, like, do that thing that's... It brings me so much joy. And... It's like a physical realization every time I show up on the ice of like, oh yeah, I'm falling down, I'm getting back up. That's how I want to live my life. That's how I want to live my whole life. And and it's good to be in learning mode because it constantly reminds me like I am a student, both of ice skating and also like of life. I don't know what I'm doing most days and I am constantly trying to just figure it out. Um, but I'm always trying to grow and I'm always trying to learn and get better. And hopefully that's what this podcast is. You know, it's trying to improve, trying to seek out new information and um, make myself better, make you guys better, you know, help you to achieve the things that you want to and overcome your obstacles. Um, and I, yeah, I've realized that like, there's kind of these ways in which, at least for me personally, I've taken on my perfectionism mainly by, like that book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, by feeling the fear and going ahead and doing the thing anyway, taking that one step. Then the way that she talks about it, I can't, her name is slipping my mind right now, but the author talks about like stepping outside of your comfort zone, like one step at a time. And each time your comfort zone increases until like basically the world is your comfort zone. And so, you know, I've tried this and I've tried this in a lot of different ways, but I realized there's kind of the like more external way of pushing myself outside of my comfort zone, which is like taking on fears like skydiving. Like I did that for my 25th birthday and like uh, I went ziplining a few weeks ago. That was really fun. Um, so those kind of like external fears and like I, I got uh, my first tattoos this year. I shaved my head recently. Um, I, I went a whole month with no makeup because that totally freaks me out. I've had acne since I was 13. So that's 13 years of like this skin condition that sucks, you guys. I hate it. Uh, but I always was so self-conscious. And so that was a big thing for me was like, as perfectionist needing to be seen in a certain way, needing to be seen as beautiful, perfect skin, which I don't have, like, and so, um, and I've gone on, like, every medication that exists, um, except for Accutane, which is the next one I'm going to try, which we'll see how that goes, but, um, just these kind of, like, external ways, and, you know, as a perfectionist, you're always afraid of how people are perceiving you, so I think, that it feels very real, even though it seems like this external thing, right? Of, you know, going a month without makeup. Well, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Maybe that's to somebody who, um, and, and, you know, shaving my head too. Like it's kind of defying gender norms and, 
and it's awkward because people look at me and I and I've had literally yesterday someone asked me she's like why did you shave your head and I'm just like because I felt like it <laughs> like why else do you do something with your body but that was something that I wasn't brave enough to do for like five years I wanted to do it and I was too scared and so for me it's a big deal but it's it's still an external thing and I think that um some of our, you know, stepping outside of our comfort zone is in that category of like doing things that scare us, but like just for kind of an external reason. And then there's the things where I feel like are really close to our hearts that I think can be harder to see from other people uh, from the outside. But for you, you know, like what it is for you that you're like, I am just so freaking scared to do this thing and if I do like my life will end like you feel like it's life or death uh because that's literally your biology talking that's your brain saying like danger danger like you're gonna die but you're not gonna die I promise unless your fear is actually to like be the next evil Knievel then maybe uh but if it's just like to start uh learning a new language and become fluent in that language or uh get over your performance anxiety and get on stage like as a, I don't know a stand-up comedian or to start a business like you are not going to die I can tell you that from personal experience um and I think for me like those things closer to home have been starting this podcast right now talking to you guys and just saying words that I feel like are probably stupid because I often fear what comes out of my own mouth um but you know learning to be confident in that way and learning to just let myself be human and starting a business you know becoming a life coach helping other people you know and and believing that I can help people with their problems uh, and overcome their their fears um some of those things that are closer to your heart you know, that's the stuff. That's the stuff. And that's why I care about perfectionism because that's what perfectionism keeps you from is being the person that you were meant to be. And that's why I do this because I want you guys to realize that that you are enough. That you will always be enough no matter what you do what other people say to you, the kind of relationships you have, the kind of failures you have, whatever your circumstances are. You know, and and I think it's hard too as uh, as a survivor of sexual assault um, and of abuse, I think, you know, for me, I have that inherent feeling of like, I am not enough. and And that's shame, being like, I am bad there's something wrong with me but I can just tell you right now like there is nothing wrong with you like whatever it is that's happened to you it's not your fault um whatever it is that you've done like you can change you can become better and you can learn how to have healthier relationships and you can learn how to have more love in your life and be more compassionate uh you can recover from your trauma like you can be a human being because that is what we all are is human beings and i just am here to tell you that you have permission to be yourself that dream that you have that is just like hiding in the corner like don't let it suffer in silence like bring that dream to life and it's so easy to say like live your dreams you know but (laughs) 
But I would say start small. Start with that thing you're thinking of right now that you're like, I really do want to do that. And it's just killing me that I'm not. Maybe it's been years or maybe it's been weeks that you've wanted to do this thing. But you know what? Go for it. Because you have nothing to lose. And I I will say, um, one of the things that's really helped me, one of the things that's really helped me is to stop taking myself so seriously. I've always worried so much. And that's what perfectionism does. Perfectionism makes you so worried about what people think of you and it just like makes you take yourself seriously like I have to be this person who talks like this and does these things and looks like this and it's like honestly it's boring (laughs) um but it's limiting as all hell but like you know perfectionism perfectionism is the shame cycle which is part of why I bring up like trauma and sexual assaults because like if you are a survivor of these things you probably have shame, um, but also if you are a perfectionist, you have shame because perfectionism is based on shame and shame is that feeling of like, I am not enough, I am not good, like there is something wrong with me, I am flawed, which spoiler alert, like you are flawed, we all are, but you are enough, you know, you don't have to carry this shame and so why I say stop taking yourself so seriously is like, it doesn't matter. You know, you think that you're waiting for the world to prove to you what you think you already know about yourself. You think you already know about yourself that like, well, I'm really no good. And if people just knew the real me, then they'd know, you know, how messed up I really am or whatever it is. Like that I'm not actually a good person or I'm not actually a good artist or whatever. And it's like, no. Like, if the world knew the real you, they would be blown away. They would be blown out of the water. Because if you allow yourself to be that person who is is inside of you, who is, like, bursting at the seams, that passion and that light that is just, like, aching to get out, that is who you are. That is who you're meant to be. And if you can step into that energy and stop taking yourself seriously, stop taking other people seriously, like, just be your goddamn self, you'll find. And it could be something as simple as, like, (laughs) shaving your head or wearing a crop top uh, or, like, you know, doing that thing that scares you. That you start to realize, like, oh, I'm not dead. I'm still here. And then maybe that one small step allows you to take that next step. And that step allows you to take the next step. And it's all based on one step at a time. But over time, you will step more and more into yourself. And you will honestly just stop giving a shit what other people think. Like, for the most part. I will say for the most part. Because I still struggle with it. But what I can do is say, okay, you know what? I care, I'm caring what that person is thinking right now and I'm going to make the choice to stop caring because it doesn't matter. And it's as simple as that. You can always choose your own thoughts. You can always choose to stop caring. Um, and, you know, another thing that's helped me a lot is just working with my inner critic. That voice that's just like, you know, constantly telling me like, 
mm -mm, that thing you're working on, it's not good enough, like, you shouldn't publish that episode, or you shouldn't write that blog post, or you shouldn't, like, make that Instagram post, or, you know, write that song, like, it's just always telling me, like, what you're doing, it sucks, and no one's gonna like it, like, that inner critic is a voice that is trying to save you, and I will talk more about this later, because I could talk probably for hours on the inner critic, it is, um, something to reckon with, right? It's a force to be reckoned with, and it's something you probably deal with every day. But learning to work with your inner critic is huge, and learning that it's just a voice, and you know what? It's a protective voice. Like, it honestly just wants you to survive, um, and it wants you to be okay, and, uh, that, that biology that says, like, if you, um, step away from the pack, or if you, if you deal with rejection, like, when we were cavemen, dealing with rejection probably would have looked like uh, getting eaten by a lion. Like, us messing up looked like us being some animal's lunch. But now, us messing up is not life or death, but your brain thinks it's life or death. So, it's actually trying to save you. Like, your inner critic is this beautifully kind uh, inner person that is like, Hey, I want you to be okay. I don't want you to die you know, please don't do that thing. And you can just say, like, hey, I'm not gonna die. I'm gonna be okay. Like, I am enough. And you know what? That Sending this email, there's the worst that can happen is that, um, you know, I get no response. And the best that can happen is that this person says yes for whatever it is. Um, I'm using the example of sending out messages for getting people on this podcast, which used to scare me a lot. Now it's a lot less so. But listen to that voice only so much and then tell it like, okay, that's enough. I'm going to go ahead and do the thing again. Feel the fear and do it anyway. That line honestly works for like everything. Uh, and you'll find over time you keep doing that thing that scares you and it just has less power over you. You're like, yeah, that fear is not paralyzing. It's and it doesn't make me stand still and keep me in, in action. It actually is just a thought. And then I can go ahead because I am in charge of my own life and I have power over what I do. Um, and the last thing too that I'm kind of dealing with right now, but I've always uh, worked with this as soon as I kind of realized my perfectionism was being a perfectionist about my own perfectionism. Uh, that I realized like, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I was trying to learn how to, at every moment, do the thing that scares me and always step out of my comfort zone and always not be worried about what people think of me. And then I would literally beat myself up if I experienced those setbacks, if I didn't do the thing that scared me that day, or if I, you know, was too worried about what someone thought to, like, wear the outfit I wanted. I don't know. It's like a silly example, but... I would just beat myself up because I was like, I'm not wrecking my own perfection. And you know what? The fact is, you guys, some days you're just going to have other shit to deal with. You're going to take a mental health day. You are going to be facing grief or struggle. Um, you know, you're going to be protesting. You're going to be fighting for your life, like, or fighting for someone else's life. Like, there are going to be other things that matter more. Or there's going to be other things that come up that you're like, you know what, I didn't do that thing that scared me. And 
don't beat yourself up about that. Like, do not be a perfectionist about being a perfectionist because it is just (laughs) not helpful at all. Again, we're all human. We're all going through this thing called the human experience together. Um, And you are not alone. And I think that's the biggest thing that perfectionism does um, because it's shame-based is we feel alone. We feel isolated. We feel like no one else knows what I'm going through. And I would say I, I felt like that so many times. Like no one else knows what it's like to be this afraid. Even to go in public, like at the height of like my acne, I had such social anxiety. I, I would not go, leave my apartment some days. Like I would not be seen by another human being because I was so scared. Um, and whatever it is for you, like do not feel alone. You know, because you don't have to feel alone. If you are feeling isolated right now, and I I know a lot of us are obviously in quarantine, um, but whatever it is that you're going through, like, find one person that you feel like you can trust and you can reach out to. Even if that person is, like, your therapist. Like, my therapist said to me, she's like, anytime you want to hit me up, like, let me know. And I was like, cool, but, like, I'll probably hit up a friend first. But who knows, the day could come where I'm like, you know what, I don't feel comfortable bringing this to a friend. Like, I'm going to hit her up with it. Um, so whatever it is, like, you know, you're not alone. Someone else has gone through it. Probably many people have gone through it. And it's not to minimize what you've gone through or what you're going through, but it's just to say that whatever you're going through is part of the human experience. And it is nothing that you can't overcome. It's nothing that you can't come to terms with. Uh, And I'm just here to tell you, as someone who has gone through a lot of shit, you know, in my life, I feel like I am on the up and up. I am overcoming and I have overcome so much. And every day it's just working again and again with those, you know, voices that tell me like, you're not good enough, that inner critic um, and just learning like my own power that I can overcome whatever comes my way. And that's really the opposite of fear is the confidence of knowing that whatever comes my way, I can handle it. Uh, I recently just read a Rumi quote that was, um, it was saying that fear is unacceptance or non-acceptance of uncertainty. I'll just say that again. Fear is non-acceptance of uncertainty. As soon as you accept uncertainty, it becomes adventure. So, I don't know. I just want to leave you guys with that because that really has been helping me that you don't have to live in fear, you know? Whatever is going to happen, you're going to be able to handle it. Um, You can wreck your own perfection and you know, separate yourself from what other people think of you and, you know, start to live your life as an adventure instead of being constantly in the future. What will people think? What will people think? Oh, you know, what if I screw this up? It's like right now in this moment, there are going to be things that, that come up. But right now you're here, you're alive. You are literally on fire well, hopefully not literally on fire. I overuse that word. Like you have an inner fire. You have an inner power. 
you have an infectious energy that if you can access, you can go out there and really live your life. Um, and your life will become an adventure. I really believe that for you. Um, so I know it's been a, maybe a long episode. I hope it hasn't been too rambly. Uh, I've really just tried to share from my heart again and from my own experience. Um, but I love you guys and I'm rooting for you. I'm in your corner. I'm here for you. If you need anything, please, you know, reach out to me. Uh, my Instagram, I have a couple because I can't decide, but <laughs> Rochelle.Lene and Wreck Your Perfection on Instagram. And then you can also email me, Rochelle at WreckYourPerfection.com. Uh, and really, you guys, I just want to hear, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you're going through and I want to be here for you. Uh, and whatever it is, like, I will support you. I will be your biggest, like, cheerleader. I will root you on and I will help you to overcome your own, you know, fear. And I just believe that you can do it, whatever it is. Um, and, you know, I'm also here as a coach if you're looking for that. So whatever it is that you need, you know, I want to support you. And I also want to make podcast episodes that are going to give you what you need um the next one that i'm going to be doing is going to be about relationships and dating uh how we can learn to be imperfect uh with dating and not worry too much about the future but really learning to be in the moment um but that's that's it for today you guys i'm gonna see you next week i'm so excited to be back doing this thing every week I will have an episode for you every Friday, um, and I love you, and I'm going to leave you guys with this song from my EP. Be well, fail big, and go wreck your perfection. Look myself in the face, look myself in the damn face, cause I have been turning like a kid to the wall There's fierceness inside These green fire eyes That fight to hide The scars to save You had a daddy that loved you But didn't know how In a mama that couldn't Protect you when he came around Silent screams like seeds you Bury in the ground Take that little girl And wrap her up inside my arms Tell her that I love her And I'm never gonna leave her alone Tell her that she's doing her best And I'm so, so proud Nothing she could do is gonna let me down I know it's hard But honey, you've got me In a small part of the many I own Like a daisy chain No two petals the same But when it's washed in the rain Towards the sun it will grow 
all matter And the love that daddy's broken heart wouldn't allow And now those small screams are tall trees And you're climbing your way out Take that little girl And wrap her up inside my arms Tell her that I love her And I'm never gonna leave her alone Tell her that she's doing her best And I'm so, so proud Nothing she could do is gonna let me down I know it's hard, but honey, you've got me now I'll be right So, so proud Nothing she could 